Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Andre McKivilchuk. <laughs> Very <know>. close. <laughs> That's close. Andre Give us uh, an intro to yourself and pronounce your name correctly for everybody. <laughs> sure, sure, no problem. So, uh, hi guys, my name is Andre Makovichuk. I've been uh, investing since 2012 in uh, in Ontario. I'm uh, 26 years old, and uh, roughly about last year, we started uh, to go down into the states. Um, how it started in 2012 is I was in college. And I guess my light bulb moment was when a buddy invited me over to his house yeah. and uh, and he was paying about $600 a room uh, at the time. And I just remember looking at the place and it was a complete disaster. I mean, student housing, your typical horror story of student housing, that's where he was living. Like, he wouldn't leave his room because it was so gross unless it was to leave the house. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, 2012, the prices were much different and buried than they are now. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, this guy must have paid like 200000 for this home and, and he's taking in $3,500 a month. This is crazy because he had bedrooms all over the place. The main floor had two bedrooms, the basement had three bedrooms, and upstairs had three bedrooms. So he was making a killing. And uh, and then I, I said, you know what, we're doing something wrong here. I said, uh, we got we to gotta try something. So that happened to be the time that OSAP was uh, dishing out money, and I don't know why, but they, they ended up giving me about 22000 Meanwhile, I'm telling you, my, my tuition is like 1500 bucks a semester. <laughs> so there was no help needed there. <laughs> uh, but they, they gave me like 22000 So I thought, okay, either I go to uh, Casino Rama and, and, and <laughs> do something stupid, or, or maybe let's try to do something smart. So I partnered up with my parents for the first home. And uh, we didn't know nothing. Uh, I mean, I mean, really nothing. We bought a three-bedroom, one-washroom home. It was barely a thousand square feet. Uh, the, the agent at the time told us that it was good, and we believed them. We didn't know anything. So okay, we bought it. It turns out it probably was could have got a lot better home. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we and we rented it to a family. We didn't rent it to students because that time we were not experienced. Yeah. And I didn't want the same asshole to be maybe i would have dealt with it but i know my parents they probably would have killed me if i put students like that in in, in there so uh but long story short we sold that property in 2016 uh for about 400 and some odd thousand nice uh in, in four years time so i i i think that the message here whoever you know it, it honestly doesn't matter i think with the test of time obviously it helps we're living in ontario one of the fastest appreciated markets but i think it doesn't really matter as long as you do something so so then from there on in we uh i started looking i was working at a job uh for produce and uh, i love the job uh, we were selling produce canada wide um and then a buddy of mine not a buddy he was a customer of mine actually he just started talking to me about real estate and we started talking and talking and talking over and, over. and i had this hunch because we had this one property so i was talking about this property to him and uh and he said you know what like what, what what are you doing with one just keep on going keep on going keep on so then he started talking to me about cash flow, and then I kind of found bigger pockets, and I was lost for about two years. I was just in bigger pockets, uh, consuming as much as I possibly could consume. Yeah. Um, until then, I started looking all over the place. You know, in Ontario, uh, where is the highest cash flowing market that I could possibly get within reasonable driving distance? So uh, we picked Welland. Uh, 
Also, maybe not the best choice, okay. but it was very high cash flowing. Property is very old. Uh, and also it appreciated, even though it's old and crappy, we paid only about 200 and, and I think, I think it's worth around 350 now, which is great. Uh, yeah. And the cash flow is pretty good. It's about six or $700 a month. We make clean, which is not, not too bad, but it's, yeah. it is an old property. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, and then during this time in Welland, I was looking in the States and I was looking so intensively. I think 2017 was when I really started looking. I took a drive down to Niagara Falls. I actually almost bought a place. They were asking, uh, it was a single family, small home in Niagara Falls for 10,000. So this is, so this is the other side, Niagara Falls, New York, right? Yes, yes, Niagara Falls, New York, yeah. Okay. Uh, they were asking 10,000, and uh, I don't know if I was stupid or scared or, or what. Uh, I ended up, I think I offered them five or something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, go buddy, take a hike, and I, and I did, I, I left. So I kept on looking, didn't make any, uh, you know, decisions until in 2019, I, uh, I saw a house in Jamestown, New York, the agent advertised it right on the listing that he will accept owner finance. So I thought, okay, this is great. I mean, I don't have, first of all, I didn't want to put all the money that I had into it. Uh, he wanted 42,000. Uh, and then, uh, we ended up negotiating at $8,400 down, which is 20%. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and five-year payoff at 6% interest, which I, I know some Canadians listening to this saying 6% interest, this is crazy. How are you paying this kind of, I mean, we're paying here 2% kind of thing. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I assure people that 6% when you're talking about these low numbers of, of borrowing, it, it makes no difference. 6% or 2% or 10%, it, it's all the same. I, I, think you're, I, I, I think you're preaching to the choir. I think a lot of people who listen to the show have listened to other shows and they know that we're paying higher rates, but we're also paying way less property taxes, way less insurance. Um, repairs are cheaper. There's lots yeah. lots of other advantages, but the interest rate is not the advantage over. over no, no. no. Yeah. Especially, I mean, working eight. So I think the only reason I even got that property, the first one, is uh, the agent was about – he was an ex-FBI, uh, retired FBI agent, and then he turned to real estate to sell homes. He was in the FBI for about 25 years. So this guy, when I'm telling you, as straight as an arrow, there was no lefts or rights with him. Like, he wanted to see everything. So I showed him all my paperwork, my Canadian tax returns. I don't even know if he knew what he was looking at. <laughs> but I showed him those. I showed him bank accounts. I showed him state. Everything. Everything he wanted to see, I showed him. And I think other people in Jamestown were uh, – I don't know if they weren't qualified, but I was basically competing against other agents. Uh, and he wanted 44,000. I offered him 40 with all my paperwork. Yeah. He said 42. I didn't care. I said, yeah, sure. And if you went back to 44, I would have taken it anyways. Yeah. Uh, I, I really didn't care it's because, too, you know, it's too we talking, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that one, you know, I don't know if I got lucky with that property, but it is my favorite one. By far. The, the person upstairs is still living there. I raised his rent significantly. He didn't move out. Um, I think he was paying – the property, to put it in perspective, the property was only making $300 a month. The first floor unit was empty, and it was a two-bedroom. And upstairs, the guy was paying $300 for a two-bedroom, which in, in Jamestown, it should be $600 for a two-bedroom and uh, like $500, one-bedroom, $600, two-bedroom. 703 bedroom and, and so on and so forth. One thing we don't then touch on a the, lot, sorry to cut you off. One thing we don't yeah. touch on a lot is that a lot of states and sometimes it's uh, county specific, 
but they don't have like limits on what you can raise the rent. It's usually you just have to give them a specific amount of time if you're going to raise the rent uh, a certain amount, right? Like I know um, right. certain states, you can only do it on lease renewals because they're contract states. Since you, you have a contract, so you can only do it at the end of the contract, but you can do whatever you want. And then they can decide to go or not in either 30 or 60 days. Some states, you can just do it. They can move in and a month later, you can decide to double the rent and they can decide to stay or leave. And it, right. it, it, it's one thing that we, uh, if for Ontario investors that they are so used to the landlord tenant board dictating what you can push and what and sometimes it's you know there's a reason to move it you're not trying to be a jerk sometimes like right. amazon moved right. in oh, and every places are worth can't more. survive any other way yeah exactly so anyway could continue no, no that's okay you know actually I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my first uh, like if you backtrack this i started in 2017 to look but i didn't buy till 2019 Mostly because I was scared and mostly I was reading way too much about taxes, about about everything. And then, you know, there's always a conflict of, of, of opinion from people. And uh, I think if you read too much, you really you really uh, become an analysis paralysis and you just start you just stop yourself from doing anything. And that was that's where I was for two years, you know, reading, 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 not doing anything about it. Part of my reading was uh, landlord and tenant rules in New York State. Now, although they're a Democrat state. I think compared to Ontario, they're very favorable to the landlords. Um, just recently, they, they, they tightened the restrictions a little bit, but really it doesn't do us uh, any bad or, or good. It's still the same thing. So uh, to go back to your question. Well, what, before you, since you mentioned New York, I'm going to cut you off one more time. Though whenever I was researching New York, um, it's one of those unique states compared to the entire rest of the United States and a lot of their landlord laws are county specific instead of state specific because it is a large state um, 100% so look at county laws don't look at like New York laws because a lot of times they're going to dictate New York City laws is if you're googling it um, yeah. and New York City laws are not favorable some counties aren't favorable, and some counties are very favorable so it just uh, be specific when you're doing your research for New York Anyway, continue. Yeah, so, you know, no, good thing you said that. Actually, I got a call. I, I posted a, a reply on a comment on Bigger Pockets just a few days ago. Sure enough, somebody called me from New York City and uh, I said, oh, hello. So, yeah. So he just wanted to kind of, you know, sh shoot the shit, if you will, uh, yeah. about investing in, in general. So he calls me up and says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm buying in Pennsylvania because the New York laws are so terrible for landlords. I said, you know, I, I don't know where you're coming from this. Do you live in New York City? Is that why you're, you're thinking it? So he's like, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. I said, okay, well, that's a different story. Yeah. Just like you mentioned, New York City is completely like, oh, I don't know how they make money there. You can't cash flow. First of all, the prices. Secondly, if, if somebody's paying, I don't know, $2,000 a month, good luck trying to raise it on them. Appreciation. That's, not gonna that's how you make your money in New York City. <laughs> yeah, appreciation. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so, so this person was paying only $300 a month, but he was there for a long time. Usually what happens in these small towns, and I'm sure you, you're familiar with this too, somebody's been living there for a long time, nobody's nobody's writing new leases. I mean, I know it for myself. Unless somebody asks, usually I don't write new leases for a year's term because, you know, there's no point. I make them happy. They make me happy. Kind of go on from there. And, and really and truly, if somebody's unhappy living there, I don't want a lease to lock them up in because I don't want them to do something terrible to the property. And, and, you know, it's not that hard to find a tenant over there. If, if I put up something, I'll get 50 calls, not kidding, 50 calls at least. And that, out of those 50, one or two people will be really good that I want to, you know, uh, continue with them. Yep. Uh, so, so, and the new laws in, in New York State was, was um, 
I think it's 30 days if you live before a year, uh, 60 days notice. If it's one year to three years, anything over three years, you have to give them 90 days notice. Uh, as a personal rule of thumb for myself, I always give people at least 60 days notice. I don't care how long they've lived there because I want them to consciously think about this and really think, do I want to stay here at this new price or should I go somewhere else? Because I don't want to force the price on them. And then, and then I have to spend two months in court trying to get them out because they can't pay the rent. Nobody's winning in this situation. You might as well wait that 60 days and, and you look like a nice guy because you're trying to help them. Uh, but, you know, trying to explain to them, listen, you know, what I paid for these properties is not what the owner paid for the properties years ago. There's no way I can afford to hold them at this kind of amount of money. So we have to do something about this. And, and, and most of the time, I'm never raising over the market rent. Always, no. I've never raised them more than $600 for a two-bedroom or $700 for a three-bedroom. These people were there, for example, for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years. They've been paying their three seventy-five for a two-bedroom forever <laughs> and nobody's lifted <laughs> Nobody's raised it, and you know you can't survive on on uh, on these kind of numbers, especially if something goes wrong. No. Um, so so that's kind of how I so 2019 was the first one, and then I, I I started digging down a little bit more, and I actually called an agent in uh, in Jamestown as well on a different property. And this guy I didn't know at the time, uh, but he's probably the the highest producing agent in all of Jamestown, and probably Chautauqua County as a general. Uh, he's an outstanding guy. He's also 26 years old, but just outstanding. So I called him up. I said, listen, um, you know, I, I'm interested in your building. He had a 21-unit apartment building for sale. I'm interested in your building. I want to buy it. Let, let me see uh, if we can set up a time. Yeah. Uh, so he takes me there. He says, you know what? While we're here, I'll show you some other stuff. So it turns out I didn't buy the building. The building had way too much work uh, for, for me personally. Maybe if I was more capitalized, I would have done it. Yep. Uh, but he showed me the, a portfolio sale of five homes and uh, 12 units. So it was a, a triplex, three duplexes, and a single family. And he said, listen, maybe he can take an owner finance deal uh, because I don't think he wants to pay the taxes uh, on, on such a large sale at the same time. Uh, but, but you're going to have to take them all. And really, I actually wanted to take them all anyway, so it wasn't any problem for me. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up negotiating for everything. I think it was uh, 210000 for uh, five homes, 12 units, which was – also five-year payoff. I think that's kind of my niche now is trying to get any property on a five-year payoff because I kind of want to build a system, I think, of five or six homes. For example, in 2020, I have five or six homes that are on a five-year payoff. 2021, five or six homes on a five-year payoff. And five years from now, I can refinance every single year different portfolios uh, and kind of pull out that money because I'll be paying off another one in five years, another one next year, another one next year, kind of thing. That's what I've been thinking now. Of course, if a deal comes up that's too good to be true, you have to take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had, uh, like, for my own stuff in Jamestown, we had uh, one person that called, you know, this lady was the first one I put in in the first duplex I bought. And she's been honestly, honestly outstanding. Yep. So she calls me up. Anytime she had to be late in the last year or so, she would call me at least a week in advance saying, hey, listen, my check's going to come on this day. Is it okay if I pay you, you know, three days after? But okay, no problem, you know, no problem or whatever. Usually I work with them. If they, if they call yeah. me in advance, it means they're responsible. They're trying to, you know, they're not trying to hide or whatever. Totally so uh, I, I was pretty happy with her throughout this time. So she calls me up and says, listen, we're getting laid off. And uh, I don't think that she was on the phone with the New York, like, uh, unemployment services. 
it's not as easy as here. You know, here I hear people apply for the CARB within three days, boom, you have your money. Yeah. Over there, you have to wait about six hours on the phone before somebody actually answers you. And uh, oh. and then maybe you're missing one paperwork, then tomorrow you got to call again, wait six hours, and then you're missing something else, then you got to, you know, it's, it's a long pain in the butt process. But um, she called me up and said, listen, I, I don't think I can make it this month. Uh, next month, I'm going back to work. I can pay. So I said, okay, what are we going to do about this month for the future? I said, I have an idea, but you tell me what you're thinking. She said, no, you tell me your idea. I said, okay. Yeah. So I said, for uh, May, pay me in full, obviously. And then start in June, extra $100 until your money's paid back for April. She said, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and that, was, that was it. And another guy called me and said, Instead of 500, he can pay 400 and he'll pay me back the 100 in June as well. I said, okay, fine, great. You know, that, 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 that was the only problems I had. But I think I, I'm, I'm fairly lucky because most of my people are uh, Section 8 DSS on some sort of program. So they, they're really not in a position to lose that. So they, they pay no matter what. And plus, they're, they're on Social Security. So nothing really happened. Actually, they get more money during this time. Because the Fed announced, yeah, so so they're more richer than they would be. Um, but other than that, I think I don't think I'm having any uh, problems. I, I think they, I don't know if you listen, Glenn, but the bigger pockets they had a live with uh, different people coming on. I think it was Brandon Turner, and Daily Green, and they brought up different like guests. There was about five or six guests in one show. It was all a live show. Okay. But one person came up there. His name was Justin Stamper. I don't know if you know him. He has a show. I think it's an HDTV called Zombie House Flippers. He's out of... Uh, okay, yeah. I've seen the commercial. Yeah, okay. So he's out of Florida. And uh, just the, the most down-to-earth guy, I actually messaged him on uh, on uh, um, so Facebook, and he actually replied saying, yeah, buddy, you know, whenever you want to come down, we'll go for a coffee or whatever. So his important take throughout this whole thing is uh, when this is all over, I don't want to be known as the guy that didn't pay his bills. Because they're talking a lot about mortgage deferrals and, and don't pay because the landlord or the, the mortgage company can't foreclose on you, blah, blah, blah. He says, I want to be known as the guy that paid his bills on time. Because when this is all over, believe me, those people will remember that. And they're going to remember that you paid on time versus the guy that, that screwed them for, for $1,000 or whatever it is. And I think that goes likewise with some of these like tenants that, that, that call me. And they were good to me for all these years. I'm not going to be in the... Asshole that during this time is going to say, you know what? No, screw you. Get out. Not, especially if we work on a plan, I'm willing to work with anybody. But you know, it's only those people that don't answer their call or trying to dodge on purpose or whatever. That's that's the people that you know nobody's friends with. I, I uh, totally agree with you on this. I uh, when the first the thing came out and the, the mortgage deferral thing, I ran yeah. to the banks and went figured out what was going on. But then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Do I, I don't even know if I need this yet. What like? But it's the panic reaction. And then I'm like, okay, let's right. just settle. And then I'm like, you know what? People are still paying. And I'm like, even if there's a couple that aren't, I have a large enough portfolio that that doesn't even matter. And yeah. I continued paying. I'm like, I don't want to take on these deferral programs uh, unless there's a reason to use it because I read that it, it will affect your credit. And <laughs> there, yeah. there's there's a lot of things that I'm like, especially I wanted, I went and had conversations with my lenders and especially private lenders and, you know, what happens let's have that worst case scenario but told them yeah no i still have several months of reserves 
Um, but let's just have the conversation proactively, what's going to happen. But I, I haven't taken anyone up on any of our possible things. I don't want to do that. I want to be the guy that makes the payments unless there's a reason I can't make the payments. Right, right. And that's uh, like, like here in Canada, there's two, um, one duplex I have in Welland. So, so far, obviously, those people are also on programs. I think the guy is retired in the back and the lady collects a disability check. So, uh, so she, she, they're paying no matter what. Uh, but I, I was thinking to myself, what if they stop paying? You know, what if they, I think maybe in that case scenario, I would go to Scotiabank and say, hey, listen, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, but if, I, if they're paying, I mean, the, the payment doesn't go away. It's still going to be there. So it's not like you don't owe that money. It's not like six months. Oh, yeah, six months freebie. We're going to pay for you. No, nobody's paying for you. You still have to owe the money after. So yep. if you have the money now, you might as well pay it. Otherwise, you know, because apparently with Scotiabank, the way they do it is uh, the interest keeps on accruing throughout the whole yeah, time. Yeah. So, so it, what you're allowing the bank to do if you take the deferral program is you're allowing them to charge interest on interest. Right. Because you're tacking right. interest onto your mortgage and then they're charging interest on the interest. You're yeah. literally, the banks are not hard on that. Like it's not hurting them. You're giving them the opportunity to double charge you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm like, you know what, like, obviously we looked at it too. My dad called me right away and said, Hey, listen, you know, what should we do this? Should we do this? I said, listen, you're working. I'm working. Everybody's working. Pay your bills. Yep. Because it's not going to be in the favor of the, and then next time you go to Scotiabank and you're going to ask, Hey, listen, I want a mortgage or whatever. You're going to say, Oh, you're the guy that didn't they want a deferral. You yep. want a mortgage. Now you want more lending. Like, come on. Yep. And this is, this is main companies. I'm talking. Now imagine your private lender. He can, he can put whatever rules he wants to put. So he can say, okay, no problem. You're going to defer for three months. And then at the end of the three months, you owe me all the money at once. Then what? Yeah. So you know what I, mean? I have a whole thing about private lenders. When you borrow money from a private lender, you pay the private lender because they're your lifeblood. No matter what, you use a credit 100%. card to pay them. And you don't tell a private lender if you had problems because that's not their problem. They right. just, you want them, you want to make this easy and if you have to take money from a different account to pay them or a credit card advance, you make sure you pay your private lenders because they're going to be the ones you need later. There'll be something that 100%, comes You make those payments first over everybody. Yeah. Anyway. And you know what? Like, Scotiabank is not going to call or Bank of America is not going to call some, some other bank and say, hey, you know what Joe did? He didn't pay me for X, Y, Z. But I can guarantee you <laughs> the private lending network is very small. They all know each other, and they're gonna they're gonna blast your name like like you've never been blasted before, for yeah. sure. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be on the other end of the stick that nobody wants to lend you money. No, nope. you want to be the guy that pays his bills on time. That, that that's kind of like like both of my guys are are obviously owner finance, so they're all private. I mean, yeah, I never called them. They have my checks, and, and that's that. I've never uh, I never uh, touch on it, and I, I never will call them because everybody's paying, everybody's doing good. Let's talk COVID. Is seller financing a good idea during COVID? Is are you still buying during COVID? I got proposed to buy a ten unit. Um, no, sorry, seven unit yep. in Jamestown by the same realtor. And uh, the only reason I'm on the fence about it, and I'm not really on the fence, the, the building makes money yep. left, right, and center, no matter what. What what I'm scared about is uh, what I would be scared about. For example, if I'm doing a regular five year payoff like I've been doing. Obviously, the payments are very high. Like my mortgage payment for six houses uh, put together is about thirty-four hundred dollars a month. Oh, so because you're I'm having 
You're amateur. You're doing a ten-year term or five-year term. Right? Five-year term. Oh, okay. I was expecting a balloon at the end. Okay, no, I understand. No, no, no. I hate balloons. No balloon whatsoever. I'm paying okay, off everything right. in five years. All right, I understand. So my yeah, payment is very high during this time, uh, which I'm okay with because uh, because you know normally the rents come in, normally everything works out, and I'm still making cash flow during this time. So I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah. But taking on a new building during this time on these terms, I would be a little bit worried only because I haven't built that relationship with these tenants. So I don't know. And first of all, you know, a lease is beautiful. A lease is going to show you, yeah, this guy's paying $700 a month. You don't know if he's actually paying anything. So I, I think the extra precautions I would take on this building, and that's what we're trying to negotiate right now, is uh, uh, first of all, start off at a 10-year mark, 10-year payoff. After one year, we switch it to a five or four year, or whatever it is. So after the first first year, very low payments. And after that one year, I mean, of course, this is gonna, this problem is going to go away. Uh, we'll switch it to a four or five year after that. And I want uh, assurance from the landlord or the current owner. that the, Whoever he says is paying whatever number is actually paying that number. So whether that's through bank statements to show me or I don't know how he wants to assure me. Uh, but I want that assurance. Yeah, I would because say I don't want to be stuck with seven units that nobody's paying. If and it's I can't a do seller, it. if it's a self-managed, I would want bank statements. Or if it's property management, I might settle for property manager or want pro- both. But yeah, you want you want self-managed. Yeah, so you you want bank statements? Then you want to see that there's that they're actually paying because right. You know, normally normally even though I should care, normally I don't care because. Uh, I can survive three, four months. It doesn't matter. In that time, I can probably turn around the building very quickly. Um, if it was something larger, then it wouldn't matter if there's COVID or no COVID. I would have to get those statements no matter what because you, you can't you can't swallow those kind of payments in a very large building. Yeah. Uh, um, but especially during this time, I want those, that reassurance that, that uh, he's the tenants are still paying. Whatever program they're on, I want to see if, if the program is still active if they're still going to switch it for me or if they're still getting their government funding as they should be. Because every one of these contracts, especially Section 8 or, or Department of Social Services, you sign their contract and then you have your own lease. But if you read their contract specifically, it says at any time when the government stops funding us, we'll stop funding you, obviously, because they're not getting any money. So how, why would they be giving you any money? Yeah. Uh, so you want to read those contracts. You want to call them up and say, "Hey, listen, are you still?" I mean, of course, I don't think that they're going to shut down Section Eight. They're not going to shut down uh, disability, no. especially during this time. They're probably going to ramp it up, if anything. But you want to make sure because there's some smaller programs, like in Jamestown, for example, there's a program called STEL. So STEL is uh, uh, for mental health uh, people, and they'll pay uh, a lot of the months. They'll pay the same thing. They pay like seventy percent, and then the tenant will pay about thirty percent of the rent. Great program. I've worked with them before. Very good. But, but they're a very small program, so you don't know if they're still alive during this time. But if I had all my people on sell, which is another concern anyways, but if you had all your people on, on sell, uh, then you would have to call them and make sure, hey, listen, are you guys still open or what's going on? Right. Uh, that, that's kind of... And another thing well, to think about, too, is you mentioned making deals with your tenants, right? So right. is there deals... Has this, you know, if it's a multi-unit, like has he worked out a bunch of deals for payment plans? Has he signed anything? Is there a paperwork, paper trail? Is there something laid out that those will continue on to you? Because as soon as the owner changes, they might be like, hey, I don't have to pay back that hundred dollars a month anymore. Right. To get right. caught up. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think for us um, as a new owner, it wouldn't really matter. I think it more matters for the for the owner selling because if he if he you know didn't pay something in the past, but now they're on the right track, but he still owes the old owner money. I mean, that, that that's really not my responsibility at the end of the day. Um, but I think also another thing with these owner finance, if we're talking about this, what I'm going to start doing is having the mortgage payments come out on the 15th. Oh, instead of, yeah, yeah because this, yes. this, yeah. it's getting, it's getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. I started uh, doing that time, too, because you don't get the program. money. You don't get the money necessarily by that time. The, the payments do so you have to like have a full okay. month or several months of reserve sitting there. I, I've right. done the same thing. I've kind of mixed it up. I have like about half of them coming out of the first and half of them coming out on the 15th. Because if you're doing like a note servicing company, usually there is no, uh, you're not, it's considered on time if it's by the 15th. Um, and so you just set up your things so that they come out on those dates. Yeah, that, that uh, I'll have to do because I, like I said, the mortgage payments are very high. Yeah. Not that I don't get the rent. I get the rent no matter what. Uh, just the payments are extremely high. So like I have an operating line that I use for about 8,000. Now, obviously I don't have 8,000 in mortgages, so it works out great. Whatever it is, the checks come out of there. And I just pay off the line as the rent comes in and then we're back to zero on the, on the uh, other month. Yeah. Um, but if it was any more than that, then then I, w- I wouldn't be comfortable with uh, putting it out there because, because you know, something like Section 8 sends, sends their check in the mail on the third. It could be the fifth or sixth before it actually arrives. Oh yeah, uh, and other and a lot of my tenants are like that, right? Or or some of them will say, "Oh, it's a Saturday, but I'm gonna take it out on. Uh, I'll pay you on Monday when I get the check." Okay, fine, but the, the, the guy who's pulling the mortgage he doesn't care if it's Sunday or what. He's pulling the mortgage no matter what, holiday or doesn't matter to him. So uh, that that's the only thing I would change. Other than that, I'm I'm so far so far very very happy with uh, the way things are going, and probably want to continue. But I think I would want to continue maybe either continue in Jamestown or maybe like you did it in Ohio. But I think uh, being a Republican state, I think it's uh, a lot more landlord friendly uh, towards. Yeah, it can be. If people want to get a hold of you, Andre, what's the best way to do so? Uh, maybe we can put it in the show notes. I'll put all my email. I'll give it to you. That sounds you perfect. Put it up there. Yeah. It's up there already? No, no. Uh, email, I, I send, it, send it over. Anytime. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, no, send it over. I'll put it in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, email or call me anytime. I mean, my uh, my Facebook and Instagram is basically my name, so you'll find me there. Um, yeah, I love to chat to anybody that calls. Like the guy I told you to call me from New York City. We spent about two hours on the phone, uh, just just <laughs> you know shooting the shit. Uh, I love to talk to anybody about this. I could talk all day about this, but uh, we have yeah. to head out. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, Andre. I really appreciate it. All right, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Cool. I'll go there. No, that was uh, that's great. And yeah, no, I think like right now too, the, with the, the seller financing, there's because the, uh, a lot of times with these cheaper houses, it's a lot of private lending and hard money. And a lot of that's dried up right now. And I think that there's going to be a lot more opportunity for seller financing Yeah, uh, compared to the, the past. I think people know there, there's people already knew about it, but I think people are going to be more open to it just because they want to sell. Right. And if, if, if they want to, or if they really need to sell, like that's, they have less options and it puts them ahead of a lot of people. And I think there's going to be a lot more of those deals showing up.